0: Welcome to the Pathways to Profitability podcast, personal tales of business success, where we hear local business owners' personal stories of their trials and tribulations that got them to where they are today.
1: Here's your host, Cheryl Mucha, CEO of CFO Your Way.
0: Hello, and welcome to Pathways to Profitability podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. My guest today is Mike Black of Page Black. They're all about strategic marketing. I'm super excited to have this conversation. Mike, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Wow, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: So Mike, I'd like to start just giving our audience a little bit of an overview about who you are and a little bit about the company.
1: Sure thing. So yeah, if you looked at my LinkedIn profile and you went back 12 years, I actually wasn't in marketing at all. In fact, I was a mental health therapist my wife had opened a small business and one of the things we she put me in charge of and marketing. And so I took that role on And when we hired some consultants, we did various things. And what we found was that we weren't really getting great advice because we hadn't done the research to understand our target market and our customers. And as we did that, I realized I really liked it. Um, it was fun work. And it used the same brain cells that my work as a therapist did because it's all about understanding people and how they make decisions. And so I started a company with this Like almost 10 years. I'm looking at the data on my computer. It's about 10 years ago now That's um, when we started actually. It's nine as of this month, but there you go.
0: Congratulations. It's always exciting to hit that 10 year mark. So your journey is a little bit different. Your wife was really the impetus for the start of the business. Um, So tell us a little bit about that journey from 20 years ago, what you were doing, the start with your wife and then branching out and opening Page Black.
1: Oh gosh, okay, so that's even further back. I, in the late 90s, I ended up on a trip and I ended up being, I was walking out of McDonald's, I was in an international trip in Taiwan and I was walking out of McDonald's, somebody offered me a job teaching English and I said, my gosh, that sounds like fun. And so I did it, I thought I'd stay a year met my wife, thought she was interesting, ended up staying for a little bit longer. We were married a couple of years after that. We came back here to the US, she's from Taiwan and she actually, her job was teaching Chinese to uh, Western students. And so she actually started there and out here and that's where we opened that business. That led to that piece. Um, and it was a fun business, but um, we just, I just really started getting really passionate about marketing and sales and just love that world. And so that's where we came here, started that in 2014. And so I I won't bore your audience, but essentially it comes down to that. I just see so many small business owners make this mistake that they have gaps in their knowledge about who they want to work with. And they make assumptions and they spend a lot of money on things and they end up wasting a lot of money. It's It's a shame. So we try and help people not do that.
0: Yeah, we see that all the time, too. Like you need to invest in the company and yourself in order to... Get the company to the next level. So it's an investment in the future. I always explain it's not an expense. It's an investment.
1: Sure. Well, there's two sides to that, right? Like you can't lead a company if you're not prepared to lead a company. And so there was a lot of things. There are a lot of things that I had to learn and continue to have to learn to be a good leader. Um, I got your book on the financial side because that's one is that i you know i'm not terrible but i feel like i have a lot of growth there that i'm not as good as i should be on that and so i think that's one piece as a leader you absolutely have to invest on the other side is that you need to invest in your company and we look to work with companies that actually care or sorry business leaders that care enough about their company that they want to invest in them
0: i love that you found my book helpful um thank you but i think you know you and i kind of run parallel in the in the realm of being the outsourced professionals, um, marketing versus finance. And, and I'd love to talk about this with you. I find that now post pandemic, um, getting back to business, people are turning to outsourced resources more than ever before because of our expertise and our, our broad, um, range of knowledge that we can bring to our clients. Are you finding that kind of the same thing, a more interest, a peak in, in your services?
1: Yeah, same thing. And I'm what I'm seeing, it's, it's fascinating to me that even really large companies who absolutely have the budget to bring on a full hire a full team, are starting conversations with us around um, outsourcing certain portions or all of their marketing. And so no, it is, it's, it, there is a shift there. And I mean, again, I'm talking about companies that easily have the revenue to have a team of five marketers. And I think that the problem and challenges that they have are, one, employment is such a difficult challenge for people these days that it's just hard to hire the right employees. And so you know, that adds additional stress to their HR department and all of those things. And then getting good employees and getting them on board and getting all those things to happen is a lot easier just to have a company that's already done a lot of that hard work and can't survive without doing that work on a daily basis. So yes, I'm seeing that same trend you are.
0: Yeah, and I agree with the the difficulty. I don't know on the marketing side, but definitely on the accounting side, there is such a shortage of accounting professionals um, that people are finding it very difficult to find the talent to hire full time internally. And, you know, you and I are more cost effective and more efficient in what we do because it's all we do.
1: That's right. Well, yeah, I mean, the value there would be is that you, for the price of an employee, can get a full team, right? And that fits. And I think, I do think you're right, though, that I, you know, when I talk to accounting firms, I'm definitely seeing that it's more difficult for accounting firms than it is us. We have some, it's a little bit easier on us from that perspective. Uh, We still have talent out there and it's not that difficult to hire. And it feels like people are fleeing CPA firms and uh, accounting jobs and right, left and right. I don't know that I understand that, but Yeah. I'm not the right person to answer that question, to be honest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So tell us a little bit about your three-step process, plan, execute, measure, um, and the importance of kind of having a process and really diving into each step of that process to be successful for the long term.
1: Sure. So if you think about now, I mean, any project or any initiative, you, you really should have three steps. And if you look at marketing, what often happens in the marketing space is the planning stops with a cup of coffee and a napkin. Um, you know, we spend sometimes I spend more time. I talk to people who spend more time planning a dinner than they do their, their annual marketing campaign. Um, and I don't you know, I don't I don't mean that. Like, I think people don't understand necessarily what planning means and how that works. And so I'll get into that in a little bit. We often work with EOS driven companies. So they're on EOS, if you guys don't know what that is, it's Entrepreneurial Operating System. I know Cheryl plays in that world as well. EOS says, hey, if you have marketing strategies, you have to have target markets, you have to have your three uniques, which means the things that make your company unique. Um, You need to have your proven process, which is what Cheryl just leaned on me to talk about my proven process. And then if you want to get into it, there's one more, and I'm not remembering it in this particular moment, but that's your marketing strategy. And what I would say is that's a great start to a marketing strategy, but what it doesn't include is an understanding of it's kind of every business, even if you're almost even, well, really even if you're a solopreneur, they're in an echo chamber. So you're getting lots of feedback from your clients, but is it the right feedback? Does it tell you what you need to know? Does it tell you that they're not telling you things?
0: Right, I think the echo chamber is not only the client, but it's you and your team and getting feedback from your team as well. That's
1: right. You're there's this. Whole, yeah, absolutely. That your team is talking about things. And what happens is, is something happens and it's, it's a good thing or a bad thing. And that resonates throughout the company. And that starts to drive your as, as it should. It is starting to drive what you're doing as a business and the initiatives are going to bring but it, the gap there is, is what's not being talked about, you know, what, and so what my company does, we really have kind of three steps, we do some internal discovery, if we're going to bring on a client, we want to go and interview their, their sales team, interview the CEO, understand the things that EOS talks about, if they're on EOS or not, we want to understand what are the target markets that you're prioritizing this year. Um, what, you know, what do you see is you're really good at making those kinds of things. And then, you know, what's worked in marketing in the past. Cause why, why would we give up that institutional knowledge, um, within it When an interview will get us that we might do a SWOT analysis. We might do some other things like that. Then we start to do interviews with the customers. Um, we want to talk to their best customers. It's a biased sample. It's not necessary. We're not, we're looking to bring on more people that you like a lot. So we don't want to interview your worst customers. Because I mean, unless you want us to like, we can build marketing that, that like we can intentionally put things in place to say, hey, we don't want people like this, and we, it's subtle. It's not like hey, go away, but it allows us to speak to the right market. But typically, we're going to talk to their best customers, and we want to know really two groups of things. One, where do they spend time? How do they stay up to industry you know, up to up on industry trends? You know, if they start to search for a new vendor, where do they go? How do they go about that search? Do they Google it? Do they turn to their network? Do they go to their Vistage group? If they talk to their EOS implementer, I'm pitching EOS today all day. Those kinds of things. That allows us to know where to market the company. And the advantage of that is that it's data that your competition doesn't have because they haven't done the work to do that.
0: Yeah, and it's personal data, I would think. Because it's so, you know, every company is unique in their, whatever, their service or their product offering, um, their geographic reach. So yeah, that data, I would, yeah, is so so pertinent and, and you know you probably know google algorithms better than me but you got to play to that as well
1: right well and it depends so i've seen stories come out of both where i've seen people do seo campaigns because they wanted to rank we won't do this we do seo but we're not um just an seo company but we won't take it on if we don't see this but i've seen companies where they just never had a chance to rank so they were going to get some really large firms um the, the authority of those websites were really high they had spent tens of thousands of dollars, closer to the $50,000 mark, trying to rank for those websites, again, for these certain terms. And they just never had a chance. And the other hand is, is that people always assume SEO is a channel for them. And I've often done, so we did a camp, this is a couple of years back. We did work for a business attorney who wanted to grow. And we were thinking SEO might be an option. There was, a, there was some search. Um, he didn't have these explosive grows. There was enough to reach those um, goals. But when we, t- we talked to his clients, they said, absolutely. I would never, absolutely never Google to find a new business attorney. It's just too personal. It's too important. I can't leave it to chance. I have to talk to people who've had experience. I have to interview multiple, um, possibility, you know, possible vendors for this or possible attorneys for this. And so as we built out the plan for him, it didn't include SEO, even though we thought that might be an option, but we just looked on the surface level that that might make sense. And that's just a good example.
0: I love that point because it always, fascinates me and makes me question when someone comes to me or prospect comes to me and says, I found you on Google. And it makes me think like you don't have any professionals in your life or in your business to ask, who do you use? Who do you recommend? Like Google is the the go-to for certain people Mm. rather than the people in their lives. That always fascinates me.
1: I, I find a trend. I may not, I mean, this, this is one person's experience, so it's not data and don't make business decisions on this, but I find it tends to be companies that are B2C or they do business directly to customers, not to other businesses, because then they're spend their day working on that and they don't spend their day getting to know other businesses. That's one. Um, And then also smaller businesses, they're just newer to the whole being in, but maybe they've been in business for a couple of years and they just haven't built that network up over time. And once, you know, they've been in business for 10 years, I would hope that they have a network that they could turn to for that. But yeah, that's fair. So second kinds of questions we ask people when we're interviewing them is what's important to you? What were your hopes when you engage this company? What were your fears? Um, because all of that turns into messaging and it turns into web copy. We'll do that both from a narrative standpoint, meaning we'll tell the story of working with this company on their web pages, in addition to having core messages that resonate with their heart with the people they want to work with, because it's going to talk about the things that are important to their best customers. So that's part of our planning process. Second part of our planning process, sorry, we do the internal is our first part, the customer interviews are our second part. The third party is a competitive analysis. We're looking at the competitors. What are they doing? Can we find gaps, things that they're good at, that the competition is unaware of, not talking about, but is really important to their customers? And then we're going to, that's where we're going to go hit it really hard.
0: So the planning stage and the, all these three things are part of your planning stage are the things that set the engagement up for success.
1: Yes. You, what we're doing in the planning stage is reducing risk of error. You can go broke, you know this, you track money, you can go broke marketing. There's an infinite number of places and you can spend an infinite number of dollars marketing. You can spend far more money than you are making in a year on marketing. And so what our job is, is to take the 95% that is less likely to work and knock that out so that we're not making decisions on that. Now we're gonna take the 5% that we think is more likely to work We're going to have better messaging that's going to resonate with them because we're going to have a stronger understanding of the target market. But between those two, it just reduces the chance of a failed campaign because failed campaigns are just costly. I mean, you can spend, I've I've watched people spend $50,000 on things that they really shouldn't be doing in the first place on a guess that it was going to work and it didn't. Right.
0: It's the the visual of throwing uh, spaghetti at the wall, right?
1: Yes. (laughs) Sometimes it's the visual of lighting money on fire, right?
0: Yeah. So let's switch gears a little bit. To, so our audience gets to know a little bit more about you. You talked about traveling and meeting your wife overseas and this, that and the other and, and eating McDonald's. I don't know why you would eat McDonald's when you're traveling abroad, but that's a whole nother conversation. But so do you do you yeah. get the opportunity still to travel? Like t- talk to us a little bit about that work life balance, being an entrepreneur and having the control of your schedule to have the flexibility to travel or do the things that you and your wife love to do with your family?
1: So there are two parts to that question. First, let me say that sometimes it's really nice to have a taste of home. When you're in a place that has food that you don't recognize, it's sometimes there's a nice, but I definitely, Taiwan is, if you haven't been to Taiwan, it's famous its food, um, and you should definitely go just for the food alone, it's really awesome. But it was nice on that day. So that said, fun for us, I mean, I, we're in Colorado, um, I grew up in Colorado, and so we, uh, my, my, one of my favorite pastimes that I haven't been able to do because we've had a ton of snow this year is hiking. And so we're going to be out doing, my daughter's graduating from high school this year, and we're going to be out doing hiking, all, or going hiking all summer is my goal to spend some time with her and my family. My wife's not such a fan of the woods. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and then in terms of family time, I mean, we um, were fortunate to live in a nice house with nice views of Colorado mountains. And so we honestly spend a lot of time around our coffee table, drinking coffee and talking, and then-
0: Looking out at the snow, right?
1: <laughs> that's right, that's right, yeah. I used When I was younger, it was going out in the snow, um, less inclined to do that these days.
0: I enjoy the snow through the window. I mean, you yeah. in New Jersey, we didn't get much this year and that's perfectly fine with me.
1: <laughs> yeah, If you're a skier in Colorado, you are, it's going to be a long year because there is like some places are almost 200% annual post snowpack. Wow. Um, yeah. We've had a lot of snow, not like California where they had like seven feet in one storm, but right. we've had a lot of snow. So that part, um, there's that. Uh, We have not been able to travel as much, especially in the past couple of years with the pandemic. And Taiwan was very aggressive in their approach to the pandemic. And so we were definitely not going to Taiwan because we would have to, I think you had to spend two weeks in a hotel before you could go see your family. So it meant that to have a two-week trip, you had to plan four weeks, which is, you know, that's pretty hard to get away from a business. And
0: two hours with your family, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's
1: right. So we haven't done that, although this year may be our year. We're looking at the prices and seeing if I can book, you know, enough time away from the business to do that. So, Yeah.
0: Great. So, how do you define business success? And that's not only for you personally in in the company, Page Black, but how do you define business success for your clients?
1: So, from my, I mean, one, we're, we're, I mean, there's a lot of ways to think about that. I mean, we're driven, we're, we're run on EOS ourselves, so we do have a scorecard. We're measuring our success every week based on that. But also for us, at least as a company, where I define success is that our goal as a company is everybody that comes into contact with us, leaves better That if somebody comes to work with us, they leave more educated, they're happier, they have a better life in front of them than before they came to work with us. And the same thing with clients. When they come to us, we're moving them towards our business goals. So on a client basis, Yes, we want to measure the marketing and make sure it's successful, but really the true measure of success is, are we helping them reach their business goals? And what does that look like? And sometimes that's very measurable because we're counting the number of new leads and how much business they've gotten out of that. And sometimes it's not as measurable, but we can look at, well, this is what they want to do. And we're a part of the team that moves the ball forward for them to reach those goals.
0: Great. Well, Mike, thank you so much for being here today. Um, How does our audience get in touch with you?
1: Uh, They could connect with me either on our website, page.black. Also, I'm on LinkedIn, but you can find my website and that's probably the easiest way.
0: Great. Again, thanks for sharing your story with us and a little bit about the company. Um, I really appreciate your time.
1: Absolute pleasure.
0: So to our audience, thank you so much for tuning in to Pathways to Profitability. Um, All the episodes can be found on the website, pathways to profitability.com. Feel free to reach out if you have any questions or need to reach either myself or Mike. Have a great day.
1: That's it for today's episode of Pathways to Profitability.
0: Remember to ask yourself, where can I pay my success forward today?